From the deep southern islands of Ayarden come the growls of an ancient civilization. Before the Pale Moon Empire, before the Beast Lords, and before the Mages, before the Green Sea erupted and before the Pale Moon shined its first light, the Ogres were indigenous and struck the first hammers, made the first weapons, and growled the first utterances. As old as the world itself, these monstrous humanoids guard their lands with a savage vigil. They have witnessed every event to ever transpire upon the world. They have weathered every storm and even survived slavery when the world was once walked by incredibly powerful beings. Every year, the ogres scattered across the islands converge upon one island to venerate their culture in a tribal dance of debauchery and feasting. It is during this time that Malice, first general of Lord Mejeron, travels to the ogre island seeking answers. I am the preceding darkness, and this is the saga of stories. Dance of the Ogres, Part 1, The Ogaran Shore The old boat moved effortlessly through the rivers, all but silent, as the oars parted the surface of the water. General Malice sat at the fore of the boat as the two sailors tried their best to remain as quiet as possible. The boat was obscured by a camouflaging mist, deflecting any image that they projected upon the horizon. In the distance, a large ogre could be seen breaking a fully grown tree in half to be used as firewood. As they approached the monstrosity, it looked directly at them, ears perking upward. And for a moment, the three travelers were sure that they had been spotted. But the creature looked around for a few more moments, shrugging its shoulders. Must be the wind, growled the ogre, as it stomped off in the opposite direction, shaking the ground with each step. Malice pointed to a low outcropping, signaling to the sailors that they should dock the boat there. The two boatsmen exchanged worried glances but dared not defy the commands of the general. As the boat pulled softly ashore, Malice raised her arms into the air, stretching in exaggerated forms from the long boat ride. I'm going to scout the area, whispered Malice. As the two boatsmen nodded and they began unloading the provisions from the boat, it was no sooner than Malice had disappeared that the two boatsmen heard a low growl from the dense trees overlooking the shore. The boatsmen were soldiers and rushed to grab their weapons from the boat. The trees directly in front of them crashed down, breaking into pieces as the large ogre they'd seen before charged directly at them, roaring as he came. The two sailors dodged out of its way and the ogre's club crashed down into the boat, sending supplies and pieces in every direction. The ogre looking down upon the crushed boat felt a sharp sting in his left thigh, and he swirled around knocking the sailor who had dared to stab him twenty feet in the distance. He then charged that sailor, pouncing on top of him, grabbing his leg and slamming him up and down into the sand, until the only thing that remained of him was the leg bone he was holding. The other sailor, terrified, yelled and jumped into the water, attempting to swim away but the ogre turned around, bounding after him like a savage beast. General Malice heard the screams of the terrified sailor and rushed back to the shore. When she arrived, she saw the ogre jumping into the water after the sailor, grabbing his ankle as he flailed helplessly. At this, Malice yelled a challenge to the ogre in its own language. Ogeron hu hu hui. The ogre surprised, dropped the flailing sailor back into the ocean and turned to meet his new enemy. He slowly approached 
raising his club lazily over his shoulder. You challenge me in my own tone? General Malice nodded. The ogre raised his club in a battle position preparing to charge. Then you shall pay for that disrespect. Dance of the Ogres, Part 2, Ogre Battle. He is moving faster than I thought, noted Malice, as she dodged for the third time in less than a second, the wind blowing her side to side from the sheer force of the blows, each swing of the giant ogre's club leaving indentures in the sand. She could feel the energy rushing through her arms and she called upon the elements to infuse her body. Rota, yelled the ogre as his swings continued to miss her by mere inches. He jumped 10 feet in the air, bringing his club down in a 360 degree strike and the force of that blow removed the general from her feet. He spit a black gob of mucus at her feet as she steadied her footing. The mucus sizzled and burned into the sand, sinking below the surface, leaving a stinking foul cloud lingering above. Grinning widely, he spat another glob of mucus only this time at her face, and this time the edge of the saliva caught the edges of the general's red hair, tearing the braid from its root. At this, the ogre began laughing loudly as he charged yet again. He grabbed a handful of sand mid-charge, throwing it forward into her face. Malice also charged forward, sliding under the ogre while slicing the inside of its thigh as she slid. The ogre roared in pain, yet still moved as if no wound was present. The black blood flowed like half-frozen jelly from the wound and coagulated under the heat of the sun. He stopped and looked down at his wound for a moment, placing one hand over the pulsating flesh. He looked up slowly at Malice, his amused features giving way to one of pure rage. The general raised her sword to her face, pointing the tip directly at the ogre, assuming a two-handed stance. Her sword began to shimmer, phasing in and out of reality. The next strike shall be his last, Malice observed, forming the killing strategy into a mental tactic. The ogre, however, noticed the change in the sword, his features growing surprised. You are a mage, he said asking a question yet also answering it in the same sentence. But in that moment, the sky darkened and a single fell red light pierced through the artificial darkness. The ogre stood up straight regarding his adversary. Human, if you wish to live, then stand beside me. General Malice did not move, not trusting the ogre for a moment, but as she noticed the darkness, she turned towards it. The ogre stepped beside her then and spoke softly, for now we are not enemies. Malice, still on edge, asked, What is it? The ogre responded with one word, Yadara. As the two former adversaries stood side by side, the red light piercing through the artificial dark fog growing in size as the tear in the fabric of reality grew into an ogre-sized red hole. From that hole stepped a creature that looked much like the ogre, but was completely ebony black from head to toe, except for two white tusks protruding from its mouth its hair a mass of rotted flesh and bone fragments with golden rings encasing the edges of each of its nostrils. The skulls of many different creatures dangled from its shoulders from braided cords of tendon and flesh, with many of them still possessing one or more eyes within the skulls. The creature looked upon them and breathed a noxious cloud. It looked upon the fallen sailor and waved its hand in its direction. The sailor then slowly rose upon its feet animated by dark energy. The other sailor, similarly animated, rose from the water behind them, and ten skeletons rose from the sand around them, of differing species. The Yadarok then charged the ogre, raising its bone staff, 
and the ogre responded, crashing its club upon the staff, yelling, Fight, human! General Malice, observing the horrific sight before her, raised her sword once more. One of the risen skeletons swiped at her, drawing a thin gash upon her cheek. The wound seemed to snap her back into reality from the shock of the unfolding battle, and she began screaming loudly. The scream was not, however, one of terror, as the ogre and the Yadarok both turned their heads in her direction. As the general screamed, waves of energy began swirling around her, and her sword burst into a blazing orange pillar of fire. Her body began to shimmer and shift in and out of visibility at random intervals, projecting what appeared to be only an image of her true self. She dove toward the nearest skeleton, a torpedo of fury, and the bones of the risen creature disintegrated under the heat of the flaming sword. One of the risen sailors lunged at her, raising its arms as it came, and her sword sliced clean through the already decaying body. The sailor fell into two pieces upon the ground, still moving and growling, as she drove the tip of her sword through its head. The rest of the undead host charged her all at once at this moment, and channeling yet more energy, the sword's flames doubled in size, and she swept the burning weapon in larger sweeping arcs, releasing plasma energy in all directions. The Yadarok looked upon his risen army, broken and burned upon the battlefield, and it roared in rage. It raised its bone staff and fired a black pulsating beam of necrotic energy toward her, smiling in triumphant satisfaction. The beam, however, passed right through her, and the white mist surrounding her shimmering body flickered as the beam left her untouched. General Malice screamed again, this time charging directly for the ebony ogre. Her sword bore a hole directly through the chest of the creature, and it gurgled as the flaming sword exited the other side of its body, cauterizing the wound as it went. The other ogre then ran in, crashing its club down upon the head of the creature. But as its club came down, the Yadarok's entire body dispersed into a cloud of foul black smoke. Malice and the ogre stood side by side again, looking around for signs of the vanished Yadarok. It appeared above them on a mount overlooking the ground they stood upon, and it lowered its totem staff. As it rematerialized, the gaping wound that Malice had inflicted upon it was simply gone healed or removed by some fell means. The creature began to laugh then, though its smile faded slightly as Malice raised her blade once again. It spoke. You have incurred a great enemy this day, human. At this, the black and red portal once again opened up in an instant of time and space, and the Yadarok stepped through, leaving Malice and the ogre alone once again. As the Yadarok disappeared, the flames upon Malice's sword also disappeared and the mist surrounding her body flickered out of existence. She then fell to one knee, clearly fatigued from the expenditure of such energy. The ogre looked upon her. I suppose you could press your advantage against me now, ogre, said Malice as she breathed heavily. The ogre raised the club over its head and slung the weapon across its back, extending its enormous hand in her direction. Malice took its hand standing to her feet. Why did you not use your power against me? It asked. Malice sheathed her sword, tying her hair backwards. I came to this place because I had questions. The ogre responded, If you need answers, then you need the matriarch of our clan. You come at an opportune time, for she would never converse with you under other circumstances. You come at the dance of the ages. My name is Kladaka of the Broken Stone Clan. You will come with me and do not clean the Yadarok flesh from your sword. Be prepared. My people respect no weakness. Dance of the Ogres, Part 3 
the city of Gorrosh. Within the Ogre Islands lies a city nestled in the heart of its fiercest volcano. Ogre dwellings carved into the walls of the volcano, great halls and archways creating spiraling granite pathways within the mountain. The city of Gorrosh has existed since the creation of the world. The volcano is alive but never erupts, held to complacency by the matriarch of the clan. The power to control the temper of the volcano is passed down from matriarch to matriarch in a ritual known as the Flaming of Gorrosh. The ogres themselves answer to the matriarch and she wields the high ogre magic of the clan. Only the females of the clan are allowed to learn or wield ogre magic and the male ogres invariably become only warriors. Though the matriarch is respected as the leader of the clans, the battle masters of the clans are only males and are seen as kings, generals, and overlords. The city is regarded as unassailable due to the danger of the lava within, which can be directed at any attacking force. The forge master is an ogre of equal rank to the battle masters, tasked with construction of all armaments. This ogre is a master of runes and inscribes them into the weapons and armor he creates to add different abilities to the creations. The forge master also constructs the charms which every ogre is given at birth, which protect them from the heat of the volcano and from most forms of low-level attack magic. The ogres mate for life, choosing only one spouse. This oath is never broken except on the occasion of the Dance of Ages, in which all marriage oaths are deemed broken for the duration of the event to allow for the full climax of the tribalistic dance. At this time of year, the ogres are preparing for the Dance of the Ages, and the normally Spartan decorations within the city are replaced by venerations to their deity, blood sacrifice, and intimate frenzy. As General Malice walks the halls of the city, the ogres stop their preparations and eye her, some warily and others with great fury and trepidation. The ogres respect Kladaka, however, and do not intervene. As General Malice approaches the Great Palace archway, the Battlemaster blocks her path clad in rune-carved bone steel armor and a great two-handed hammer across his back. From the hammer dances blue fire, a gift of the ogre matriarch, and a spell of Ogarian magic. He looks past Kladaka and stares directly into the eyes of the General Malice. No humans allowed. Kladaka winces knowing that an improper answer would be the last of the General. General Malice, however, straightens her posture, placing her hand upon the pommel of her sword, looking directly back into the Battlemaster's eyes. Her sword was in her hands faster than the Battlemaster could react, the blade in full view. The Battlemaster looked upon her unimpressed for a few moments, then eyes widening as he recognized the undead flesh upon her sword. At the sight of it, he steps aside, pointing down the hall. Go quickly. General Malice and Kladaka step through the royal archway and into the heart of the volcano. A legion of a thousand stairs lead down into an enormous cavern with lights of orange color lining the ceilings and walls of the rock. Three rows of ogre warriors line the walls of the room, and at the apex of the room is a giant throne. The ogre matriarch sits upon the throne, a slender and strong creature standing ten feet above the ground. Small gems of differing colors make continuous orbit around the jewel-laden crown upon her head, suspended by some unseen magic spell. Earrings as large as the torso of the general hang from the ears of the matriarch, and her tusks peek elegantly from a still beastly mouth. In her left hand, a staff made from obsidian, 
and a firestone at its crest. She raises her head slowly to regard the general as she steps into the throne room and utters only one word, kneel. Malice hesitates at the command, and in an instant, the weapons of a hundred ogres are at her throat. Again, the command comes, and this time Malice kneels without hesitation. The ogre matriarch speaks then. At the dawn of the dance, a human general comes into my palace. Whether she shall leave remains to be seen. The Saga of Stories is a tale of war and fantasy created by myself. I create new episodes every week. Every episode released builds upon the lore of the world. And you can visit me at sagaofstories.com. Part 2 is coming next week. Thank you for listening.